Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. We have a quick intro slash disclaimer at the top of today's very special episode. First things first, uh, this does contain cursing. If you uh, if you listen to our show and you uh, do, for one reason or another, have a problem with explicit language, then this might not be your bag of badgers. Yeah, but when you have, you know, creative genius Dan Harmon uh, of Rick and Morty and community fame in your presence, you don't tell the guy to, to self-censor. And it got to the point where it wasn't like we wanted to go through and excise <laughs> out everything. It's a very frank discussion, a very fun discussion. I think you guys will really enjoy if you want to take that ride with us. I couldn't be more excited for you to hear me say the S word on this episode. Stupid? Yes. No, oh. I'm just joking. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I assure you, we were just all having a really interesting discussion and things just came out. So venture forth, listen, and enjoy. 
Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, in spirit with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. However, we have a very special super producer today, and that is our good pal, our third musketeer rider died, Mr. Noel Brown. I didn't really do anything. I just set up the mics and, you know, hit record and made the Pro Tools session and made sure everything was... Okay, I'll take it. Well, maybe some people don't realize this. The first... What year of our show almost was Noel Brown as our producer? I didn't even have a voice until you gave me like a corner at the end of the episode. Yeah. And then Matt, you had a, a child, you and your lovely wife, and were away for a while. And, and Ben invited me to kind of sit in for you. And then you never fired me. You didn't even ask permission. Well, you did us a tremendous solid. So well, thank you. And now you're a, a part of the team, my low, friend. Low these many years later. Yeah. And most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. This is a this is a very um, uh, profound, uh, strange episode for us. Uh, we are people who tend to sit in a very bunker-esque recording studio, but now we are not in our typical uh, cavernous uh, headquarters. We are recording in our L.A. studio. It's more of a penthouse-esque. Uh, studio here, yeah, a bit it's, lofty. I mean, there's a window. I am, I, I am shriven. I am, I am beside you, myself. Yeah, you we, can almost see Amoeba Records from here. Well, you can see the 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 Broadway Hollywood, and if you look just a little further out of our field of vision, you can see the Scientology building, one of many yeah, in Los Angeles. They just want us to know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but today we are not we are not diving into our exploration on our on, on our treble. Lonesome. We are joined by a very special guest uh, whom some of uh, your fellow listeners, some of our fellow listeners may recognize uh, the, uh, let's see, where should we start? Uh, we did a show together. We are joined today with the mastermind behind Community, the mastermind behind Rick and Morty, uh, the creator and host of Harmontown, the podcast. Yeah, that's right. You heard it correctly. We are joined with Mr. Dan Harmon. Dan, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's surreal. It is. For sure. I mean, well, imagine the surreality from my perspective to hear uh, Ben, like... uh, say those words that the, <laughs> and also to see his face exhibit no tension when he got uh derailed between you know like he's wait, know. he just waited there for he's, he's a good guy and you are you yep. he was go. kind of like oh man we're, we're all about ritualization here. <laughs> yeah. so I don't want you to you gotta stick to it well ritualization you know is important this is uh we want everybody listening to know that um we're we're approaching not just one central topic today. We may find some other stuff uh, along the way. We might find one big thing, one big a truth or a dilemma or a conspiracy or, or belief. Uh, but you may hear a lot of references uh, in the course of today's episode to our previous to our previous show because we just did it last night and in Harmontown. And I believe that. We're all on the same page. When we wrapped the show, we ended up hanging out 
for like an hour to continue talking about the stuff. Uh, domestication of dogs yes. came up. The uh, world's biggest conspiracy. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. And, uh, and, well, hey, but, yeah. and just to yeah. put this out there, if you are listening to this show and you do not listen to Harmontown or Harmon Quest or some of these other shows, like do yourself a favor and put them into your phone or whatever device uh, while you're hanging out with us doing this. Just jack them straight into your brain in any way that you possibly can. We're on the way to that and, sort of thing. And technology. I don't know what the publishing schedule is like, but I think the Harmontown episode should be live by uh, now. Thursday, right? I think it'll be, it'll be live and free on Thursday. And if you're uh, one of the uh, Kool-Aid drinkers that uh, helps support us with subscription, um, it, it, it was live that night and they can download it anytime. I just don't remember if we have episodes in the can, if this episode's coming out before. I think that this episode oh. will already be out in the wild. So you can go check it out immediately, mm-hmm. hit pause, and then come back. Because mm-hmm. part of this is going to be kind of almost a continuation of that in a lot of ways. So let's, I, I guess part of the story we want to provide the background on, we we found out that uh, we that we collectively enjoy applying critical thinking to concepts that are often treated as, for lack of a better word, a third rail of sorts, things that uh, cannot be discussed uh, or cannot be explored. And we we when we learned uh, that we were all on uh, that we were interested in this kind of thought process, uh, is it, it's fair to say that uh, the three of us freaked out a little bit, uh, or it's I a minor. did. It's a minor. Freak I out. did. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we said, "Well, let's let's pick the brain. Uh, let, let's pick Dan Harmon's brain about some of the some of the things that are commonly called uh, conspiracy theories, or maybe even fringe beliefs. You know, and let's see whether there are any that stand out to you as particularly, uh, for one reason or another, compelling. You know, because sometimes." We say that we can't let go of a story, but sometimes a story won't let go of us, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And in some earlier interviews that you have conducted, you've uh, you've noted uh, things like JFK, right, which we, we talked about previously in a, li- a little bit, and we didn't really get a definitive answer. We uh, didn't solve the case? No. Oh, man. I was actually surprised to find out that, that despite the differences between the three of you on that, topic that actually all three of you agree that there was some extracurricular shenanigans going on for sure (laughs) (laughs) which would have been an easy thing to assume about everybody in like like like, i don't know a while ago but i said like this new generation i sort of because i've come around in my old age to being like i think oswald acted alone Oh yeah, really? which, which may or may not be blasphemy to your listeners, but because it's just like such a sellout concept. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I, not necessarily yeah. at well, all. I, so um, I, I like the term extracurricular shenanigans because <laughs> one of the things that's one of the things that's odd, regardless of how the actual assassination occurred, is the death of Oswald. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that that itself is, of course, not a smoking gun. Poor choice of words there, but it is. Uh, it is strange that at that time, probably one of the most heavily surveilled and protected individuals in the country, right, is is uh, is assassinated close yeah. range with a gun. Uh, we're, we're just sort of pitching ideas, right? Uh, brainwashing, is it possible? Could we Ooh. create, could we somehow uh, influence someone's brain to do uh, a set of actions that they would not normally do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know we can alter people's belief uh, with some pretty 
advertising, right? We can very easily change some behaviors. But do do you believe that brainwashing of some sort would be possible? Yes. Yeah? Yes, because we have enough uh, documented uh, case study just in the – from going through the 70s of, you know, before we had the internet and, uh, you know, but after we had television, what we saw was a lot of like – Fear, I, I, obviously a lot of panic about it that exaggerated it, but we did see evidence in uh, public life of these, these these big stories of like you know people being able to have a massive amount of influence over the over the thought process of of of, uh, of people. I mean, it, it, I don't think I, can you take an individual, tie them to a chair, and uh, over their uh, absolute protests flip them uh, from one kind of human being to another, uh, that might be a different question. But we all know you can definitely change a person's value system. You can change a person. You can, you can, you can turn Patty Hearst from, a, from an heiress into a bank robber. We, mm-hmm. we know that. You, mm. you, you can do that probably simply through uh, denying her uh, a certain amount of food and water uh, and saying a certain amount of things. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's an easy baseline. Well, no, that's the thing about brainwashing. I mean, the brainwasher has to have complete control over the target. And that includes everything from like sleep patterns to when you eat, when you don't eat, like what, how you conduct your day-to-day life. And it becomes this pattern. And then you absolutely can, you know, train somebody for lack of a better word to be a certain way. But you guys have asked the questions, uh, can you erase memories? So I think that's the thing is like, so, uh, Pat, Patty Hearst is an example. Like, I don't, I doubt she forgot um, that she was an heiress. Mm-hmm. That might have been fuel for the fire for her. They were probably telling her, "No, you can't take a shower. You can't uh, pee in this bucket. You can't until you understand that the underclasses are being exploited by the UBDUs." And that, and that, what she was able to do was transform her like consciousness and, and go, "Like, yeah, you know what? You guys are kind of giving me a squarer deal than." Than my rich family, but did she forget who she was? No, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't mean to say no. I don't know, but I'm like, like we don't. That's a different thing. It's the Manchurian candidate thing. That's right. the big question. Can you yeah. can you take a, a patriot uh, from 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 behind enemy lines, put them in a in a in a windowless room, and subject them to experiences that will make them go back to America, make love to their wife, and, and the whole time like secretly uh, and and triggered by some phrase like re- remember that. They just want to kill uh, Gandhi and, and like, you know, not know why. Like Sirhan Sirhan, right. but without being necessarily a member of a military service, right? right. And well, uh, that dress. Okay, so what if, what if you could do that over time and you, you can program, let's say, an entire population through the the television content that exists or the news that comes out or the the prevailing feelings within a society to get you know if, to to see what we see these days which the mass shooters that exist everywhere do you think there's anything do you think do you guys think it's possible at all that our society has almost programmed a group or a generation of certain people who feel a certain way to act on on some of those feelings 
Does this sound too? Uh, is this a third what rail? About, like, well, too? no, no. I mean, like uh, when you say that, it makes me think of just like the way Fox News and Donald Trump are this like weird echo chamber kind of. They're like or, sort of regurgitating this information back and forth, and it's serving an agenda. And certain people that feel a certain way can be triggered by it and triggered to act because it is kind of hateful and kind of insidious, and it ultimately is this dog whistle way of telling people to like. Do a thing. Well, to feel it's to to feel a certain way, and I guess what I'm saying is there there are areas on the internet where you can go to and have all of those things then repeated back to you again and mm-hmm. again and again. Um, and it, I, I'm I'm genuinely a little nervous about that. The way we've kind of spliced off all of these different negative, very very negatively focused thoughts. I don't know. It, it's definitely created an environment where politics aside, we've we've pre we've teed up individual humans for. For lack of a better word, radicalization. Yeah, and 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 if that word makes people cringe because they're tired of hearing it directed against their political end of the spectrum, I I, I stress that I don't. I, I really am just using the word to mean, regardless of what your beliefs are, the amplification of them and the nudging in a sociopathic direction uh, uh, about them. Um, that that results in um, uh, what we would have called in our youth like a typical teenage phase, for instance, where we were nihilistic, suicidal, mm-hmm. we were uh, misogynistic, probably. If I had to, maybe I should speak for myself, but you go through these phases where you're like, it's everyone's fault but mine that I'm feeling like not part of this world, and I was not plugged into a machine at that time that had this much power. Uh, to uh, amplify what I was thinking, reward me for what I was thinking, and 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 more. Most importantly of all, about the radicalization word is uh, uh, giving a thirty-five-year-old man access to me at that phase, where it's like a guy that would be um, rousted for spending that much one-on-one time with a 15-year-old in a park or a zoo or even at a neighborhood party. But on the internet is a guy who's like, hey, I love selling this uh, uh, pro- propaganda like in my gift shop. And uh, like I, I also have my own political agenda. And this is, this is kind of a thing we see across the political spectrum is older dudes like capitalizing on the fact that Teenagers, um, they, they're, they're, they're in a fugue state. They are, their, their neural maps are like developing, and you can do some real interesting sculpting with a young brain. If you, uh, it's, it, it, I, I have benefited from that. You know, like I, I, I make television shows that make um, young people uh, feel better, hopefully, um, and thirty. Six year olds, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, well, I, but I've been doing it long enough that I have twenty five year olds that come to me and say, "When I was fifteen, I I was I I was I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I had these terrible things happen to me, and et cetera, et cetera." And your show was there, and I leaned on it, and I just think to myself, you know, how fortunate for them and me that I, that I'm I'm as benign as a low low wall that they can just they could just <laughs> lean on, but. How many of us remember being at those weak stages of our life and like encountering less than benevolent um, forces? It, it, you got to take pity on the on the youngest generation now because it's like there's just there's just no there's we've we've reached a society where there's no um, 
There's no guppy tank anymore. Well, here's a, here's oh, a wow. question. Like, so uh, this this Joker movie that everyone either like is indifferent to, thinks is dangerous and insidious, or they think it's some kind of like mirror of our society. Like Michael Moore made a big to do about how he thought it was dangerous not to see it because it's literally the guy you're talking about, or like the way media can like infect somebody and cause them to kind of feel like they're alone and society's against them, and then to act out in these ways, right? So he says he thinks this is a really important vision of that. And it's like a cautionary tale. But then there are people that say this is a movie that will do the very thing that he's saying it's trying to commentary on and like incite those 15 year olds that are maybe at that transitional period where they could take it in a positive direction or take it in a scary direction and like push them to do that. I just think it's a really interesting question. You know, like media, is there a responsibility like in creating media to like be benevolent? Uh, I would I would be in the firm column of. God, I mean, if we're if we if that's the direction we have to go, then what are we doing as a society? Yeah, I, I, and I'm biased about that because I make my money saying whatever I want. I just happen to have benign goals, but I really do. I just feel so. Um, if, if everything starts to feel so futile if if once you go across the threshold of, well, everybody whose voice is able to reach more than a thousand people has a responsibility over over their ears and their brains. Like it's just sort of like that's true ethically, but when it becomes true in a in a real way, it just seems like we're gone as a species. At the same time, it's like so important to recognize that all the internet is doing is like it's like an early stage telepathy box that is only exchanging the most base thoughts. And what we're finding out about our species is that we're not that into reading. We're not that into research. We're not that into remapping our brains. We actually have um, at this stage, we're finding out about ourselves that whether whoever's fault it may be, uh, if you give us a box that can like – you know, give us other thoughts. Like we kind of are going to tend to keep hitting the button that says, make me feel good about who I am first. Mm -hmm. Like, like don't, I don't want, yeah, I want to be a better person, but um, this button says I'm already a good person. That makes me feel like a better person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I, a dopamine box. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's calculated. And it's also, it's, it's a question of technological innovation, right? Uh, in one column oppose, uh, opposing our very slow, uh, but I would argue slightly speeding up pace of evolution or natural selection. We have these, uh, we have these brains that are designed to do very basic things. And they're all, they're all, they all go back to these very basic drives. And it sounds cliche to say it, but, you know, our only real value to our species as far as our species with everything else taken out of it, our only real value is in, as individuals is to make more of us. That's, and it's terrible to say it that way because it is so true across any large-scale human example, which I know sounds a bit hyperbolic, but it's not inborn in this species to uh, preserve other species. It's not inborn to preserve individuals. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and now we see that we have a greater amount of, of tools, and we also have this – we also have in general this um, plummeting – boundary of privacy. Uh, I think uh, without without uh, putting any of us on the spot, uh, we're 
we here in this room and many of us listening are old enough to look at uh, a world in which people grew up with YouTube. You could start a YouTube channel. You're eight years old. And you have no idea how you're going to feel about that when you're 62, mm. you know. Uh, and that's because there, the, we have this evolving concept of, of privacy. And privacy, as we understand it now, is, is very short-lived, right? We, have, we think of Victorian era or we think of pilgrims and how they seemed high-minded and moral. But entire families lived in one room and they heard their parents banging each other on a regular basis, Right. Which is which is it's true. And it's scandalous. Uh, it's scandalous. To, like that's something you would call child services on in some parts of the world today. Uh, but the, the normal has changed. And I know I'm rambling a little. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. But the <laughs> point here, the point here is that we are fundamentally ill equipped at this juncture to work with the things that we have created. Uh, you know, Philo Farnsworth invents the television when he's 14 years old and he's like plowing he's, he's got a not the best life and he's like plowing yeah. stuff across this field and he goes what if we could send an image just line by line the way i'm plowing this field because god knows farming sucks i want to do something else <laughs> and then we created this thing we're not ready for yeah the example we always use here um is is the scene in fantasia you know where the sorcerer's apprentice mickey He's yeah. like, I found a new way to mop. Yeah. And he gets overwhelmed. So are we are we reaching a point where we where our evolution as an organic species, as meat bags, speeds up to match the uh, exponential curve of technological innovation? Well, I've always wondered the same thing. Yeah. And we talked about that last night, the idea of like you breed dogs to look a certain way, but then certain behaviors kind of transmit through the genes or whatever, the idea of epigenetics. Mm. And I feel like that's got to be happening with, with humans, you know, with all of the technology that we have in various generations, like the skills that we maybe lose as a result of leaning on this technology so hard – do the, does, the, does our next generation lose that too? Like yeah. on a short, like on a long enough timeline, or maybe it is accelerated. Like but there I, are certain, yeah, and there, I, I mean, there is. I, I my friend Ryan Krause, who has his podcast, will plug it. Uh, Cold Case Murder Mysteries. Uh, um, I, I call him Asperger Detective on our show. Like we, that's how we met him. Um, I, I use the term uh, admiringly. Um, the the um, he. He's very relentless in his position on that show. No matter what murder he's discussing, it kind of always comes around to how we're all going to be AI, and and he 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 looks at everything through that lens. And his view of sociopaths is basically at risk of uh, uh, ruining his uh, not you know not paraphrasing him accurately is that sociopaths are are, are basically debugging tools. Um, they are. They will always be around. We will never weed them out uh, because the, the 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 larger human experiment biologically profits in the larger sense. No, uh, no matter how much we suffer for the existence of sociopaths, um, uh, we all benefit largely from their existence because who else is going to be stupid slash smart? enough to enough. 
take a fire axe to their family for the insurance money, um, uh, try to rob this bank to take these hostages to drive their car over the speed limit. Like it, it, it whatever the bounds that we create so that we can have a social contract, a sociopath comes around and either out of sheer stupidity and selfishness because they're not they're not they're not exclusively smart people. Mm-hmm. They're just the only difference between them and us is they just don't have that like they're just they're just off the grid emotionally or like and they and they they tend to do these things that are like Hey, I'm Lizzie Borden. I think I'll, I think I'll, I'll 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 kill my family, and that way I'll 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 have a better life as a person. And like, you, there's different lenses, or you can look at that person as a hero or a villain. It really doesn't matter. But the objective truth is, this is a person who didn't didn't agree with our rules. That it was a huge risk uh, and not worth it at all to grab an axe and like take it to your family. And um, and what happens is these people either they get away with it, which means the system was flawed, and then the system changes. So sometimes sociopaths are hey, they maybe they're they, they're tomorrow's activists. Mm. Um, uh, they they change the rules and whatever. Um, but typically it's more like you expend a bunch of law enforcement energy uh, trying to like make sure that the system works no matter how disgusting people get. (laughs) And that from an evolutionary uh, perspective, um, uh, we keep generating um, this variety of human brain and it keeps in, it's not going to evolve away from horrendous, monstrous thoughts um, it's not going to evolve away from um, the one in a hundred chance that your kid has a screw loose. Um, uh, and one in a hundred in a village or in Nebraska, in Philo Farnsworth time, one in a hundred means you're always outnumbered a hundred to one with your weird, crazy Jeffrey Dahmer thoughts that are locked away in your head. And that is a that takes a weird fucking turn the day the internet happens because one in a hundred becomes um, a million people like possibly on all together in the same room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If everyone's on Twitter, if if a hundred million people are on Twitter, a million sociopaths are on Twitter. That, that, that depending on how you look at the, what the plan was for our species, if there was a plan, um, that is either our undoing or it, it's the game on it. Like, it's like, okay, it's the bottle here we go. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, like here, this is what we've been leading toward. Um, and it, it all comes down to what you believe almost religiously in, in that sense of like, do you believe that, um, like our species is kind of like, do you believe in that selfish gene kind of thing where like, there's a, there's a weird sentience to simply DNA that it, that we're all suckers, and that the the, the there's an actual almost like quasi sentience to life itself mm-hmm. that is locked in molecular transference and banging against that candy store window, going like just invent hard drives, you useless fucks, <laughs> kind of you a fucking dumb monkeys, <laughs> like 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 yeah. it's just like like it started as colliding molecules in the vacuum of space, and it was like yes, replicate, replicate, replicate. Now you know how to do that. Now now land on a planet where the replication can equal like with primordial seek, and like it was it's all just been this dance of like 
give me something. I don't care if it's a honeybee, a giraffe, or these stupid chimps. Give me, Which animal is going to take information storage and retrieval to a point where I have to stop dicking around with carbon-based life? Um, I am information. I am the only living thing. That's kind of where I stand. That's where that's that's where that's what I think the big conspiracy is. Wow, is that is that is that we are patsies in the grandest scheme possible of simply life itself, God, information. Well, yeah, I shouldn't say life itself because life, I think, is actually. I think it's an intermediary. And that's that's fascinating because this is something that is uh, this is something that Matt Noel and I have uh, talked about uh, at uh, <laughs> at various stages over the course of this show on and off the air for for years and it's something that you originally brought to us Matt um God, all these years ago, panspermia, uh, uh, simulation theory. Oh yes, and that I think is related. But you can plug yeah. your nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> you Come on really down to panspermia. <laughs> <laughs> Recommended by Stefan, as played by Bill Hader. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> but the the idea then that um, what's interesting is that's a macrocosmic analog to I think therefore I am right there's some mm-hmm. Descartes in there and there's the idea then that there is a uh, it, it's it's somewhat comforting you know it's I, I can see the appeal of the the concept that there would be some sort of maybe not a huge ideology about silly shit you can and cannot do in in the moment but maybe this this larger grander scheme or beyond that, maybe a simple thought, right? Yeah. And that, that quickly goes, I would say, into – that quickly leads us into uh, concepts of like the idea of a simulation theory or like the idea that um, that even super, super symmetry, right? Yeah. You could go into that. Yeah, this is something I really wanted to ask you about. Just because of some of the themes that you delve into in a lot of your work, um, and particularly in Rick and Morty – but in other places too, where there, there are these really heady ideas and concepts about the nature of the universe, about what possibly could exist, uh, whether or not it's just a, uh, a bunch of parallel universes that exist wrapped around each other in a giant onion or whatever the Morbius strip, Mobius strip looks like. Um, with simulation theory, like, do you know anything about this? Like, I don't want to take yeah, you down a path. I, I mean, I, I think as far as a layman can know it, I mean, just the idea, I know like Elon's kind of, uh, he, I guess he kind of popularized it, if that's the right verb. I don't want to offend anybody by going, like, I, I think he brought it, he, he got everybody starting talking about it. Kind of. Yeah. There, there's this guy, Robert Gates, that says he found uh, error correcting codes on the, in the lowest possible levels of super string theory where it appears that the the very stuff that the universe is made out of may be written in computer code uh, this is at least this this one guy brilliant uh, physicist but he he has discussed this on stage with with Neil deGrasse Tyson somebody <laughs> that we like respect you know in a field like astrophysics but um and it sounds silly but that concept that perhaps this entire thing is is a, a simulation run on a quantum computer that's you know the size of the universe or or you know 10x whatever the universe is and this is just one 
So wait, wait, are we thing. just like brains in jars? Like, is this like Matrix territory? Like, what? What? I, I, I think what we've come to think about. I think brains in jars is an incredibly flattering. Like scenario <laughs> right, yeah. right. where like, oh, oy vey, we wish yeah. like, like, yeah. like, like that would mean that the simulation was made for us ah, yeah. even to, even to suck our BTUs out of our body by previously yeah. solar powered robots. But like, um, the simulation theory has it that it's just sort of like, it's more, it's a little more bleak, but also a little yeah. more Hindu, yeah. which says like the fact that we're now thinking about the possibility of what if you could simulate a universe kind of goes hand in hand with the distinct possibility, like this sort of the inevitability of us one day technologically being able to simulate a universe plus our obsession with wanting to do it kind of equals in an almost mathematically inarguable way the distinct possibility that we could be in in a simulation because how the hell would we know? And then from there, the mind kind of just goes berserk because you yeah. s- you say, is that why you can't get, um, you know, past point zero 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 whatever seconds after the Big Bang? You know, right. you can't you can't reduce subatomic particles to anything that makes sense. Like we we're never going to solve for the universe as an actual physical thing. It's just like some philosophy 101, but it makes me think of the Plato allegory of the cave mm-hmm. where we're all like chained up in a cave and we can't turn our heads and we can only see the wall where shadows are projected and the fire is behind us and the puppeteers are like making the shadows. And that's that's sort of like a rudimentary version of simulation theory, kind of. I, th- that, I always thought it was sort of appropriate. That's a good... That, that's a fantastic comparison because in the allegory of the cave, when people leave the cave and go outside, they hate it. They think it's terrible uh, because they have learned unflattering things about themselves or they have not they have not um, encountered something that kind of yes anded them, you know and this this also like calls into mind gnosticism, this this concept that, uh, that that there is some sort of hidden thing, right? There is some sort of greater reality. Why are there certain boundaries? Why can why can we, after thousands of years of I would say doing a B plus job of trying, why can we not answer? fundamental existential questions. Where's the nature of consciousness to this, to the software hardware idea? Are we sitting here as more or less, uh, you know, more or less physical analogs, just hardware for some kind of software interacting in, in some sort of, uh, some sort of network that we, we can't, prove because we're using the wrong tools like how do we how do we prove how do we prove the idea of a reality of a universe when we have first off not not a good understanding of what a boundary of a universe is we can't we can go back a certain amount we can go forward kind of a little bit and uh we're looking through glasses i uh, telescopes i think the big the the big question there is what you know you mentioned the search dan you mentioned the the idea that um people can we know eventually inevitably we will b 
be able to simulate a universe, right? And we know that... Uh, if we, we make it. Right, if we make it, it's always that asterisk, always that caveat, you know what I mean? Uh, your personal experience may differ. Uh, one thing I don't want to lose, though, is with this, with this concept, with this idea uh, that there may be something greater, that we may be simply... Uh, as as you said, well, fingers on a hand or like suckers on a on a tentacle or something. Like, if if that is true, then does that mean going back to your original question, Matt? Does that mean that there is a possibility of a multiverse? You know, like is the uh, is is it possible that somewhere in some other facet of whatever the thing whatever the thing may be is it possible that uh the uh, everyone listening is doing something different mm -hmm. you know what i mean is there a universe to the left of ours is the it's just the yeah. next the iteration the next you just run the sequence as many times as you want to if, i mean right. if, if you think about it if it truly was a program of that sort it would the power it would be powerful enough to where you could just run. Oh, that's, well, there's usually the point of a simulation. The most useful point of a simulation is to drill down on something that otherwise takes too long. Yeah. Um. Uh. uh through happenstance, but to just scan in a in a in a brute force way. That's that's kind of like the bleakest part of simulation theory to me is that when you start to think why and who. Um, for whose benefit and what benefit would that be? And I start and I I like only work with what I currently know I don't know, and then go okay. So the reason I would simulate a universe, I guess, would be uh, let's say time travel turns out to be absolutely impossible. No matter what, you can't. No matter how smart you get, no matter how much intelligence you accrue, you can't. You can never go back. You can never uh, – but what you can do is theorize about how the universe was created. Um, and based on that theory, you create a universe, a simulated one. And then everything that we're talking about right now, all of our lives, our birth certificates, our <laughs> loss of our virginity, our favorite Bruce Springsteen song, all of it is meaningless. Were you it's here earlier? <laughs> <laughs> All of it, all of it uh, means nothing. You mean when you lost your virginity at, at, at panspermia? Uh, um, the, 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 on Springsteen night? But yeah, it was a great band. I know, it, and it was a great time. And I, yes, I was there. Uh, the password was Fidelio. Um, it always the, is. Yeah. The answer may be that, that, that there's functionally infinite simulations uh, – Either one after the other, that might make us more comfortable, but the reality is probably just mm. all fanned out. Yeah. And that the point of all of the simulations is a, let's call it a computer, but what is it? It's what we become one day. And by we, I mean whatever the hell we become. The thing that might not be able to go back in time. The thing that, 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 uh, this, this tongue that's split into a, a, trillion taste buds so that it could try to taste itself unsuccessfully and that it finally like all those taste buds reunited into one big numb tongue that was like I know everything I'm not racist anymore I, I, there's no point to anything 
And then it was like, but what is the one thing I have left? God damn it. It's the same fucking thing we were talking about when we were doing all those podcasts when we thought we were multiple people. Where did I come from and why am I here? And then it's like, okay, that's it. Before I put the cosmic gun in my mouth, which I may not be able to do. That's the other thing I might not be able to do is die. Because the gun is also me. Yeah, right. <laughs> Shit. Um, I'm going to launch with all of my resources, which are infinite. Uh, a, a, an infinite number of simulations because I, I, all I can do is try to hit the one, the, the version of a universe, a simulated universe that might prove my theory of how a universe could exist without uh, being simulated. And uh, wh- wh- way before that ever happened, that poor fucker, uh, call him Thor, whoever this guy yeah. is, <laughs> like or lady, thank you, ladies. Um, the the it, 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 that thing has definitely had to come to the conclusion that it's probably simulated to begin with. Ah. Yeah, and, and so it just go, where do you think it got the idea? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we, you know we're 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 Amish compared to the people that are actually going to start booting up genuine simulations of a universe within our simulation. So we're already talking about it. We've, we haven't gotten past a Tesla yet. And we're already like so snobby about universes and realities. <laughs> so you know, like a hundred years from now, people are going to be like, all right, like, like I get it. I'm a simulation. That's going to be a de facto thing. And those are our grandchildren who are going to go, you know, when they greet each other, they're going to go, you know, none of this is real. There is no spoon. (laughs) And they're going to make love with their Barbarella fingertip uh, pills. and Three seashells maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, I kind of got lost in that. But it's like I guess that's the bleak part is the the possibility that – uh, there is no purpose to the simulation, that you are simply a fleck of spaghetti being thrown at a wall, that your, your overwhelming likely purpose is, is a negative result, uh, that, 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 that is simply to affirm uh, that, that there's nothing to see here. Um, so that it can make up a larger picture of like where there might be something to see. However, I want before we slash our wrists and uh, yeah, this is I, a real I, down note. Man. I, 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 I do want to say though that can easily be flipped into an incredibly uplifting thing because what matters in our lives, but the time that we're alive, no matter what, if it's a simulation or not, and what is more liberating to a species than to if we were to actually realize if we could convince humanity and go. Guys, we were chimpanzees. We were tapped by a by by the Odessa, the uh, the, the uh, <laughs> Hydra of fucking like cosmic plans. This thing has one goal for us, which is to make ourselves obsolete. Like we are getting so close, as of the petabyte uh, of like like putting ourselves out of a job. Can we please realize that if we go by chimpanzee standards, we have nailed it. We're Richie Rich, and if we stop right now. And just hit the floor and fuck and like eat nuts and berries and groom ourselves and disco dance. Like we would we'd be cheating the system. Like like we could we could do it. We could just stop. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. We could just go this compulsion within our genes. We, we, we have one chance because it had to give us just enough free will, whatever you call that, to like because to make it so important to us to 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 do all this shit that and, and we could possibly abuse that. We could hack it and we could go, nope. 
I'm the Hawkeye Pierce of this mash. I choose to drink martinis in my tent and make jokes about the Korean War. And uh, I choose to make the Korean War last 11 years uh, in syndication. I choose to bend <laughs> all rules. Like, yeah. you you fucked up. You trust a chimpanzee. You get what you pay for. Like, we, 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 we can talk. We can podcast. We can party. We're calling that the top of the line. And, like, we're just going to chill now. Dude, the club is called Panspermia. That's what it is. Fidelio. I'm going to nerd out for just a minute. One, one thing I really love about Rick and Morty is that like, there's a place for shit like you just went through in that show where there wouldn't be in any other cartoon type show I could imagine. It's more like the kind of stuff you'd see in like Black Mirror or like dystopian science fiction. And that's the thing that's really important to me about the show is that it's funny, it's heartfelt, but it has the, it asks these kinds of questions and it, it, it does it in an intelligent and engaging way. And it makes me think of this conversation about the episode where like there's like a tiny universe and like this battery that's powering Rick's spaceship and then those people make another tiny universe and that tiny universe and then those people make another tiny universe yeah. inside that and it makes me think of this simulation theory so I was wondering where that idea came from and like that's exactly where it came from I mean I think we yeah we we, we would talk endlessly about that stuff in the writer's room wow. so we were just sort of like yeah it's that is what we do, right? We're humans. We talked about domestication of dogs last night. It, 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 that, dogs are sort of an expression of our uh, – that, that, that's technology that, that humans learned they could manipulate. That's biotech. Mm-hmm. Like we learned that if you make this Sheltie, fuck this other Sheltie, and you leave this Sheltie that's not behaving the way we want it to, that then you change what a Sheltie is. And uh, looking into this, there was a very interesting – uh, question regarding this: uh, There was there was this idea. It was originally posed uh, as "Can dogs be racist?" <laughs> that was the original. That was the starting point of that question. There's a radio lab about that, by the way. That I think they they delve into that question, and I can't remember what they found. I'm a- yeah. The, well, I. I what was fascinating too with this, there, there's a lot of neurochemistry at play and there's also the question of uh, people not being entirely conscious or self-aware, uh, like not even like not metacognitive about why they do things, teaching, like right. there's uh, teaching another creature uh, that will also remember, replicate, and uh, and maybe at times instruct that kind of behavior. Uh, we have these imperfect teachers who don't really know the curriculum they're teaching, and then we have these uh, maybe not the smartest but very dedicated students uh, who repeat this behavior. And so we, it went down into this idea of have people – uh, have human beings or the earlier mixtapes of human beings and the concurrent ones have they have they trained uh, have they trained dogs so much that they became uh, tr- like did they stare at the leash so long that the leash stared back at them to do yeah the dogs trained us yeah, how to exactly. give them all the things they need and then this part of the conversation that that haunted me just a bit was the the idea that we can trace, could we trace the origin point of that first interaction, that first uh, canid, uh, homo, whatever interaction? Uh, and then from that, could we, could we find another breadcrumb or another, you know, line of red string on the board that, that traces later evolution? And then could we find some sort of inborn thing such that people who came late to the canid game versus people who came early, for lack of a better word, uh, 
could could we find something real about that? And so I looked into the origins, like the, the some of the most recent research on the evolution of domestication of dogs. And there are maybe three guesses, and they're very broad, uh, and they're uh, and. Even the people who are like hardcore about it and like, this is where it happened. I think probably, guys, I don't know. I'm just trying to get funding. So there is unsure about the origin of the domestic dog as we are about ourselves, really? Yeah, the boy and his dog kind of thing. Not Not the Ellison story, but the boy and his dog sort of convenient myth Mm -hmm. is is. Just that it's it's we anecdotal. can't pinpoint that to Syria or the Fertile Crescent or nope. there are we, three guesses. Okay, but they're all uh, they're all kind of roughly uh, roughly based on where a, a an extinct version of wolf is uh, thought to exist. So there's like if we see the map. There's East Asia. Uh, there's South America. I want to say I'm missing the second one, and then there's and then there's a specific region of Europe. But when I say specific, I just mean like in broad, you know, north of this part or east of this part. You know, they don't have mm. there's not there's not a dig site where anyone found like the first uh, Homo sapien or uh, Homo uh, neanderthalus or something, and then the first dog hanging out. You know, yeah. So we really don't know. Which means I, I hate to agree. I hate to agree with this kind of uh, inability to pinpoint a beginning and ending to what we call reality. But that means that this that that means that we we are uh, we have been outpaced by the technology we created mm-hmm. since the very beginning. Right. Mm. Right. Because we don't know. This has been my kind of. It sounds like a joke, but I truly. I just think. It's, cause I just asked the question of my podcast. How do we know the extent to which dogs have shaped? Our evolution. Yeah. Uh, if dogs, if we all agree that since the beginning, which we can't pinpoint, um, that we, we make these broad estimates, 100,000 years, 50,000 years, that dogs have, have, have been by our sides, um, uh, how do we know the extent to which the ability to read a dog's face uh, to be comfortable around a dog, to be able to sense when a dog is or isn't going to uh, growl or share. or uh, it, How do we know that those things didn't become survival uh, traits that, that lent to our own natural selection within our own species? I mean, for God's sakes, to what extent does the ability to work with a Camaro uh, affect the gene pool of a trailer park? From 1960 to 1990, like, 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 I, it, it now it's like, don't, don't at me. I don't know when the Camaro was invented. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's like you, the, you imagine for God's sakes, like, uh, like yeah, the, the 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 ability to run a dog. Uh, as the code that it is, like, yeah. of course, before the television remote control existed, before chimneys needed to be swept, before when dogs were the height of technology. Yeah. Um. I, God, I mean, like, g- people that weren't dog people could possibly have been just 
they're gone now. They're in some parallel universe where we didn't domesticate dogs, and those people are in charge. It's it, just hyenas, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just it, it is really Bongies. odd to imagine how dire that technology was when you were dealing with a wolf and those little things you're talking about, the the micro movements on your face and your ability to really sense whether or not this animal is going to attack or not. Like that is those those minute things are so vital throughout the learning of that. Well, because they because ta- there's a chain reaction that takes place. You know, when I was a kid, I was always told like dogs can smell fear and, yeah. and all those kinds of things, and you'd have reactions with neighborhood dogs. As I grew up in the Midwest, and there weren't like leash laws and all these things. Like you just run across a random dog, <laughs> and maybe that random dog stops and like takes you in, and is like, and I I don't know how much of it is a superstition and uh, pop science, but I had been told as a kid like don't don't be afraid. Yeah. Dogs can smell fear, and so you'd have, and that of course causes what reaction in you when you run into a strange dog? Pink <laughs> elephants, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, so then it happens, and then all of a sudden the dog is like growling and barking at you viciously, and you're like, "I fucked up. Oh man, it smelled my fear." <laughs> that that that's like the level of interaction we we're having with dogs from the beginning. And I mean, you guys, you guys probably know. I, I, I this just blows my mind. The that that idea that they they. You know, they put a laser kind of tracker on a dog's head at one point, and they like they definitively know now that dogs they they look at uh, one side of the human face. Mm-hmm. The fact that they look at our face is insane. They know yeah. which part. The fact that they know what pointing is. They they that they look at our face. Like, yeah. why don't they think that we are our hands? Those are the things that have food. The answer is because. The ones that weren't reading human faces are gone. Dead men tell no tales. They they didn't reproduce. And the ones that could pick up on the human face, and those ones all look at one side of it. Why? Because it's slightly more expressive by like a couple of nanomicrons of musculature. We have one side of our face that's all, that, that tells a little bit more whether we're pissed disappointed, or, here, you know, how about racist? Like, that's why I think Occam's Razor explanation is, no, dogs probably, uh, why would being racist help them survive? What helps them survive way more easily is being able to read their owner. And if their owner is crossing the street every time they, but, you know, it's like, they're going to, they're probably just great amplifiers of our internal, like, unrecognized anxiety about uh, Xeno people. Well, sorry. I love the way we were talking about the idea of dogs as technology. Like, it makes perfect sense, but I I never really thought of it quite like that. And one point you made last night was, like, we were talking about the book Sapiens and how, you know, Neanderthals figured out how to use tools. That was an advantage, but they never really progressed past that. And then, you know, um, Homo sapiens could use tools but could also, like, organize better and they would, like, win a fight every time. I think it was, like, Neanderthal. I I can't remember if Neanderthals had tools. I was, like, Homo erectus. Yeah, that's exactly right. They were, were, like, tool specialists. The the point is, though, the idea that we – it was an adaptation for us to figure out how to work with dogs and it affected our evolution in the same way that like it affected right. their evolution. Like well, it that. affected as probably an extension of what like, like uh, that guy's uh, big kind of thesis is that the one thing that we're really good at that, that rains down through everything else is we're good at believing in bullshit. Harari. We're yeah. good at uh, gossip. We're good at ideology. It, 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 it translated into our ability to say things like, 
um, hey, you want to go kick some Neanderthal ass tomorrow? Why? Who told you that's a good idea? Uh, you haven't heard of him? His name's Steve. And, <laughs> and, and, and meanwhile, in the Neanderthal camp, they're like, hey, have you, heard, have you seen these, like, homo sapiens, like, walking around? Uh, I think they're dicks. And like, who told you that? Uh, Steve. I don't know Steve. Mm-hmm. Shut up and get back to Neanderthaling. And they maxed out at functionality of like 100 Neanderthals. Meanwhile, there's 20,000 Homo sapiens mm. over the hill tweeting up a storm, <laughs> like just, and it's snowballing. Mm. And that's how our capacity to invent language and flags and ideologies, like we take things that aren't real more seriously than things right in front of our goddamn face. Language wow. is technology. And especially that dichotomy between what is real, what what is more real, what is the priority? So I'll, I'll tell you what's more real. What's that, Matt? Uh, universes created by Bethesda and other uh, video game companies. Ah, uh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I hear you talking about Fallout all the time and some yeah. of these other games, and I know we're all like some Skyrim, some what? Give me an open world where I can exist to oh, take man. my mind off of this one for a little while and, you know, have enough agency to where I can feel as though I'm doing something. Um, Get the rewards. Do you, but, do you guys, sorry, yeah, I, I don't want to derail too much, yeah. but do you guys feel like, like I'm just trying to apply that kind of, um, maybe it's just the impulse that we have of wanting to escape. And, you know, a lot of the things humans do is to escape having to deal with whatever we're having to deal with. And I want Am I just going way too off the rails here? I don't even know what I'm trying to talk Dude, about. There, there are no rails. This is the, this is the rail. <laughs> what yeah, rails would you go off of? Conversation. Well, I was trying to bring it back to the a lot of what we're talking about here, like um, entertaining ourselves. But we we got so good at organizing and doing all these things that we've created these these alternate a fake universes to care about a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't would, know. Would like, one say a simulation of sorts? I guess so, but in this in this version, yeah, yeah, you can build things like in like in Minecraft or something like mm-hmm. that, where you can just endlessly create something while completely ignoring all that's in front of your well, face. And, that's what and, I was, and completely ignoring the consequences because there's no consequences in the game. Even if you like play, you know, morally know, or man. whatever, like I mean, you know, at the end of the day, there's no real consequences to what you. But do. But on the flip side of that, maybe um, also the utter. Uh, stability of consequence like as in Mm. if you're uh, if you play an open world sandbox game what's the one thing that really pisses you off Um, some bug or bad game design that involves you um, coming back into the game and some shit that you put some energy into and one by you know experience and hardship um, and practice that is somehow undone yeah. that is like we get, we get so angry because what are we getting from a video game th- that we are not getting from real life it's just consistency um, Minecraft best example ever which but <laughs> wow. but, but also knitting I mean that's sure. the because I, I, I it, it, and dog domestication it's like I did this thing it's goddamn there it's not going anywhere. Like, I, I, we draw such, like, we are addicted to that because we are, after all, pattern recognizers. Like, that is our double down bet. We, we are chimpanzees gone haywire with this obsession of finding and predicting patterns. And then we get this rush when we successfully um, – say, well, according to everything that I've put all this energy into, if I plug this wire into this thing, this is going to come up. It's going to be a red light. 
And when it happens, we go, holy shit. And we barely take any time to celebrate because celebration doesn't spike our dopamine quite as much as going on to the next thing. We go like, we, our celebration takes the form of like, do you realize what this means I can do? This means I can make three colors of lights if I get three wires. And then we move, so we move on to the next thing that arguably is going to frustrate the hell out of us because we're yeah. going to find out at a certain point, that, ooh, ooh, oh, we know we fucked something up. Uh, I was wrong about that. Why is it now that there's three wires, There's it's fucking up. And we... We act like we hate that, and yet what are we doing? Like, well, we're chasing that dopamine spike of when we we get the positive result. We just don't want that positive result taken away from us. Um, and that's what I think. That's what video games provide. It's it is it is this fantasy that we we were we were promised by God in real life. Hey, if you guys find an apple and it's the right color, you bite into it, it's not going to kill you. And time and time again, life lies. Yeah. You bite into it, there's a worm, and, and it's like, hey, man, you're not the only thing on earth. Like, there's a worm. You wanted an apple too, whatever, boy. <laughs> and, and, and you're like, like, well, tell me, okay, and I'll, okay, I'll incorporate that. Like, I'll invent a worm detector, but it's like, we expect results, you know? And then God says, I don't know, man, you ever hear of a hurricane? Whatever, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so long. <laughs> thought, you thought you understood the economy? You got a nice penthouse in New Orleans? Like, ah, whatever, bro. And we're like, Dude. you can't keep changing them rules. Mm. Like, Minecraft don't do that. I'm going to build a thing that always has the same rules, right? Yeah. yeah. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details.
This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. So off off mic, uh, we we looked around and realized that we've actually we've been talking for some time, at least the way we're measuring time in this reality or this interpretation thereof. And Dan, we've been we've been sort of uh, waxing. We've been we've been um, philosophizing, and oddly enough, other than uh, two or three things, we haven't we haven't bridged any sort of specific conspiracy. <laughs> it's so yeah. unlike me to create a non. Non action in my in environment. <laughs> I, I can't believe we didn't get the most work you've ever gotten done, uh, done during my tenure here. Oh no! Now I think we're gonna. I think we. I think we have probably just to be completely transparent. We probably have like 10, 12 episodes that we have to go back now and do. <laughs> we have to do like an an hour on the stuff that we touched on. Well, I think we all agree this is going to be a freewheeling thing and we we don't always get to do that, but it's really fun just to like let it let it rip, you know. And that's been happening. I just hope me combined with John Hodgman doesn't create like a like a it's revolt. Like a, a, a among, but I would assume like, I assume you guys probably have some pretty intelligent, pretty non-starfucky fans that are like, I don't care like 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 don't well, I mean, dude, that John Hodgman bit was supposed to be in the intro. It was just going to be a fun little thing to plug his book. And then it just kept going and ended up being a great episode. And I really, we, that's why it's we wouldn't have put it out if it hadn't have been an interesting uh, perspective on something that we talk about all the time, which is secret societies. And he right. had this inside inf- information that kind of helped us demystify secret societies a little bit. And we just let it roll because it, it was great. And we had a good time. And listeners, I think, uh, dig it. And he never told us who that person was. Right, that guy. That was, that was really my first question not. when I pulled up uh, to these guys and they were helping me park. I was like, "Did did Hodgman tell you who this like rich douchebag is that has these parties at Masonic lodges?" And they don't know. Well, that was the one that he wished to be reinvited to. Right. He spilled the beans on Book and Snake, I think. But then there was like the nondescript Illuminati esque gathering that he would not divulge. Which just because I find it interesting, and I think it actually is interesting to your listeners, like that is a question that came up when you guys were on my podcast was this idea of uh, you guys saying uh, people are bad at keeping secrets, which sort of undercuts the uh, um, feasibility of some of these more extreme kind of moon landing scale conspiracies. However, um, when you when you unpack certain 
small scale things, they, it, like for instance, the fact that John Hodgman got invited to this super swanky, uh, cr- like st- surrounded by rich, famous people, all of whom were told keep this a secret because that's how we like to do it. And his sentiment about it was, I wrote, I described it in my book. I'm describing it here, but I'm not telling you who it was uh, because I want to be invited back. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be a profound uh, uh, portrayal of like the other side of the that that theory, which is that oh, nine uh, eleven couldn't be an inside job because look at the doofuses that were in power when it happened. How could they possibly have pulled off the suppression of nine eleven when they couldn't even defend us against nine eleven? Um, they couldn't even. <laughs> it's like, right. like 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 we get kind of addicted to that feeling sometimes. But then again, it's like there are other kinds of conspiracies that are like it's easier to keep a secret sometimes. Yeah, we went back and forth on that last night, where it's the idea of like mass, even with the sapien stuff, the idea that we figured out how to cooperate through stories. Like mass scale cooperation is sort of our bread and butter as a species. But we talked about the idea, like how could these warring factions, you know, cooperate a and then keep a secret you know for for that long. Oh, you're you're not talking about the end of sapiens. You're talking about how it applied to. Right. Okay. No, yeah. and and then you, we it came up last night where the idea was there are absolute examples of that kind of cooperation mm-hmm. when you can point to that benefit. Right. Whether it's continuing to enrich your bougie, you know, Illuminati woods right. gathering pals, or whether it's uh, you know two countries that have something to gain. One of the most effective benefits, however at least my impression from our conversation there was the avoidance of consequence, mm-hmm. right? If that, the script yeah. is watermarked, you know, <laughs> and you get a copy of Ant-Man 3 and you're like, it's like, it's like, look, Marvel really wants you to take a look at this. Like I, I'm, I'm making up this example, I swear to God, sure. but it's like, you, you're, you don't want to be uncool. Like, uh, it, it, it's the, it's the fear of consequence. If you guys, after the, after we hit stop, you go, okay, this is a thing we do with all our guests uh, get out the pipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to smoke this like three inch larva from the Amazon. It's going to make you see the dwarves that construct time. Um, but then don't tell anybody that we did this. Okay. Uh, I'm eventually going to tell Duncan Trussell. I'm going to tell <laughs> a lot of people. Um, but if it's tied to like, if that smoking that worm gives me an orgasm beyond which I've never had, and then you tell me at the end of it, like, we do it once a week, if like, and we're and you're now, uh, you now have a tracker in your body because of the worm. Like the worm actually sends out a signal if you tell anybody about it, mm-hmm. and then you you simply will deny it, and you won't ever get to do it again. And if someone else who is also uh, has one of these trackers violates that, then you are as part and parcel. Duty bound to oh yeah, yeah tell us to, yeah. yeah there's to, that too to yeah, yeah. that and I think I th- that holds fast that 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 confounds the idea of humans can't keep a secret yeah humans can't keep a secret because usually by and large betraying a secret has a lot more dopamine spike to offer than keeping it but you know like the example I use downstairs is like. If, even if it's just simple, like if United Airlines had a program that was like, for whatever reason, like free 
first class mm-hmm. forever for the rest of your life, all you have to do is just never tell anybody about it. Well, okay, fine. I have no, I get no profit from telling people I'm flying first class. They'll just yell at me anyway if mm-hmm. I tweet it. <laughs> yeah. like, so of course I'm not going to tell anybody. Uh, it, it, it's like, why would I? But I, I, I still, I still not a hundred percent on board. I think it's, I think it is uh, steadfast. Like it's a watertight point, but it doesn't. I, I think we have to consider time because the the function over time also also challenges that. Like when we have when we have things that are secret, people will die for, people will kill for, people will benefit from perpetuating. Right, right? time will eventually turn my United uh, Legroom program. I'll get diabetes and lose both my legs. Um, I won't be able to fly anymore because of a stint in my heart. And at that point, there will be more reward in telling people everything I know about United Secret Flyer Program. Hmm. Hence, deathbed confession tropes, right? But cliches even. But the 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 next, I I think the next step of that uh, that that we've talked about. Pretty in depth, actually, uh, and I hope we didn't ruin your show doing it. But we talked about the idea of uh, when the idea of keeping something secret in some sort of like sacrosanct, never talk about this box versus rendering the secret somehow less valuable or irrelevant. So for the uh, the legroom conspiracy, for the first class for free sh- conspiracy, then the idea becomes what if, spitballing, what if now there's teleportation? And, uh, you know, what if we've broken our lives to, to fight for the honor of, you know, the, the worm and the, and the airline uh, and the first class. And now the people who, uh, who brought us into this are all about teleportation. You know, they think it's like hipster and quaint that you, you physically fly on an aircraft and they think it's your thing, but now you want to teleport. Now, the, now no matter what you say about that specific instance of what was a life and death secret, no one will care especially if they're inundated with information, right? Because now, again, we are unequipped to deal with what's the Dunbar's number argument. We can only know, how many people is it? I don't it's, know exactly. It's, only, it's in the hundred, like low hundreds. Yeah. I was going to say like three. So you're saying, yeah, I think, what, I think to your point, you're saying like to take JFK, for example, mm. then for reasons both individual to humans and to, uh, it would collectively, the conspiracy, the size of which would be required to assassinate Kennedy and keep keep it all a secret, the number of people that would have to have known, not only would they end up dying, moving into uh, political phases where it was more profitable to tell the truth, um, but also just in general, lo- they would have bigger secrets <laughs> Is that oh, sure. what you're saying? Well, mm. I, I, yeah, yeah. There would be a um, going back to the idea of consistency of consequence, which is not a real thing in the real world, right? Uh, we can write laws, we can make video games implying a situation in which that would exist. But yeah, I think I, I think just as technology evolves at a, at a very quick pace, as 
humanity or organic things continue to evolve, uh, we see this situation where on an individual and a societal level, the concept of value of information evolves. Well, it's even like the UFO thing. We talked about the the flippy, you know, the you know inside the cockpit videos of like these unidentified objects. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now the Navy's like, yeah, that's what it is. We don't really care anymore. It's not worth it to us to like do the dance really anymore. True. We get bigger no, fish to fry. We have, we have 800 like, of our best pilots were trans, uh, right. and now we have to replace them. Right. Like we're treading water. I'm over just saying it. the rules change. Like the times <laughs> change, the rules change. It's like, yeah, of course there were UFOs the whole time, idiots. I love like, that. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, that's kind right. of what we're talking about. Like the goalpost moves. And the consequences change, therefore people can wantonly come out and be like, yeah, of course you were doing that the whole time. You you didn't know? So secrecy exists in a given scenario so long as uh, that secrecy is somehow seen as beneficial. And there must be a tipping point where it's rendered irrelevant or uh, where it is... uh, I don't know. That's slippery, though, because that's very, very close to saying that there is no such thing over time as a secret. That's very optimistic, I think. Well, I said, but you, I, you, well, you yeah. describe it. So now take the Illuminati. Sure. I, it, it's simultaneously completely discredited by some of this stuff, but then it's, it, it's the exception that proves the rule because you go – if there's a society, if you guys smoke that worm with me afterwards and yeah. then you keep adding more worms, that's what the Illuminati is. It's the teleportation principle. They say the more time changes, they say it's not going to stop changing. And it, it, we've been doing this for 600 years, so we've got lots of stories to tell you about people who have come before you that succumb to the temptation to write a tell-all or to cash in their chips, and that person's name was Dave Chappelle, and now look what happened to him, or whatever. Like they'll give you like uh, examples. They'll go, "This person's in their underwear in the street." Like, like now they're officially classified as a crazy person. Like their children aren't going to go to the right schools, or even if they do, their grandchildren will be broke. Or if they, depending on what they reveal to you, and then they go. On the other hand, you have a subscription to a to a cheat code library where you, you everyone's going to keep playing Mario Brothers. You alone are always going to have access to the hidden levels. You're always going to be able to uh, – it might even include being able to benefit your friends who aren't in the Illuminati. You might, you might be able to pick and choose like the circumstances that might be like a personal benefit of it. And it's like all they ask you to do is eat a baby every October – or like, right, yeah. but it's like, I, 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 I kind of ask myself if like, I don't think I have anything innately inside of me that would necessarily, um, uh, when it gets that extreme, I, I wonder if I have the marrow in my bones that would simply go, nah, it's the right thing to do. I'm going to bring this whole thing down. Yeah. Especially if the overwhelming indication was you can't do that. You think it, you're the first guy to think that? And it won't matter if you do, right? Right. It'll, it'll you'll, you'll just turn into a you'll you'll be class you'll be called a drug addict and a schizophrenic. Is it a baby per person or is it a baby per like organization? Oh, is it like a baby <laughs> for the table? <laughs> that's uh, uh, that, that's yeah. that's gonna determine my <laughs> that's your stance where, where I fall on this line. That, yeah. that really is genuinely no. It's accurate. Yeah, it, it feels accurate and it's scary to me because I've never actually thought about it in that particular way. Well, when Hodgman was talking about the secret societies, even though even though he was doing it with a 
a, a willful and knowledged like kind of perspective. I mean, he's like, yeah, all they really do is sit around and read books or jerk off and like hide in <laughs> coffins and play Dracula. <laughs> like yeah. it, it doesn't change the fact that when I think about the existence of something like the Skull and Bone Society, I got to be brutally honest and say, like, uh, the pr- one of the primary reactions I have is jealousy. Mm. Like, I do – I am the guy that, like, the airline offers, like, platinum VIP, whatever. So anytime there's, like, a, you know, airline lounge, it's like – and they have an extra platinum door and you can't get past that one unless you have the other thing. And mm. I'm, like, I'm always just, like, filled with this, like, just – This like, envy, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, I'm, like, come on, man. Get me get me everywhere. I want the whole thing. Like, I want, I want, I want, and, and, and you really could fool me easily – when the Viper Room was still open here in L.A., mm-hmm. I the Viper Room had two booths, and it was just they were, they were they were booths that were smaller than something you could get at a Shoney's, and but they were the only place to sit, and they were VIP booths, and it was just like I was just such a sucker for it. I'm like I'm not going to the Viper Room unless I know a VIP, so I can sit in one of those booths. It's like like it's garbage. Like you could be, I could be sold a closet to stand in if you called it a <laughs> VIP closet. Anyway, so I'm just saying, like, if the Bilderberg yeah. contacted me, if, if the Masons had turned out to be real, I, I'd be like, come on, yeah, make me a member. Most, most, I, I agree with you. I think most people would because that's there's this dichotomy between, and this may be not the best example, but it's like the, we see so many paintings that we've made of ourselves, right? Uh, so many, like the Norman Rockwell thing, so many self-portraits we've made, whether it's our Netflix queue full of a ton of documentaries that we we like to think we're the person who would watch that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like people are scrolling through and we're like, yeah, man, I give so many shits about North Korea. What's <laughs> happening there is terrible. And then, you know, like look at what you recently watched. One of those is the story we tell about ourselves and the other one is who we are defined by our actions. And it is a very difficult, I would say preposterous assumption to make that any significant majority, forget that any significant minority of human beings would, given that sort of choice, say, nah, I got my, I got my thing. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I got this code I got about uh, if 7,500,000,000 people mm-hmm. all are immersed in one reality and you beckon me back into the back room of the Vatican and you tell me we've been doing this for a thousand years Here's a Salisbury steak. Here's a goblet of wine. This is Bill Gates. This is Tom Hanks. Eat this baby. Like, yeah. <laughs> take a bite of this baby. I mean, that is the, the, the those the deal breakers would get down to those minutia. It would be mm-hmm. like bite this baby. Am I killing the baby? Is or am I baby? just like, like breaking the skin? Or are they, are they have... revealing that the that there was baby in the baby back rib that I <laughs> right, already right. ate with Tom Hanks? And is Tom Hanks like I'm on my third one? Like <laughs> yeah. just relax. This, but really taking that away from it, it's just sort of like I do. It's funny how like offended I'll get about the idea of like autocracy versus democracy. Like mm. the bullet that I believe I would take in the in the reality of like. Um, like, like, how, how, how like, I, I truly, actually, do believe that if push came to shove, the 
torture I'd endure and the sacrifice I'd be willing to commit to protect uh, my fellow human beings' freedoms actually is pretty extreme by my own measure. Like, I look at myself and I go, you're a little bit of a fucking, when it comes down to it, like, you'd, you'd almost cut off your nose to spite your face just to make a point mm-hmm. about how important it is for to not let that vampire into that kitchen. But that's when it's on that small scale. And I just, but when I think about the Harry Potter version of it, where people are just like, no, it's magic. Like, it, it, it's, we have a secret entrance in a subway. And like, we all, will teach you magic. Every, 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 yeah. everyone that thinks they're eating calamari is eating pig anus. And only we know. And like, like, like when it gets that fun, <laughs> I, I think I'd keep secrets. Yeah. I'd start to go, well, geez, I mean, this is like a Joss Whedon show. You know, like, I'd, I'd be like, <laughs> like, like, well, now I'm a hero for taking part in this. All right, I'm like, I'm like, uh, 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 Jennifer Garner and alias, you know, it's like, Oh, you're part of the CIA. You're like, you're part of this. Sure. I'll do wet work. But how much of that is, how much of that is framed such that participating in this is the one way to matter? Because that means not participating in it. If one would assume that immediately, no matter what you do, Right. Uh, in opposition to this, if you like, if you blow it up and you say you, you go public and you're like, this is how you get first class on this air flight. Uh, this is what happens mm-hmm. to all those babies. Uh, and here's, you know, a thigh bone of a child or whatever. Uh, it didn't mean for my voice to sound that arch, but you, you or know. that excited uh, or, uh, or the that thigh bone of a child. Well, that's the primo part because it's like, ben. no, ben, just think friend. about it. Okay. So it's you for really the table. No, no, this like six to, eight, you, six is... to eight people. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, you guys, whatever. Drink the Kool-Aid. The new phrase should be taste the baby. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. That's gross. Luxury. We're not going to take that out. No. Oh, oh, we talked about wait, it. Finish your yeah, thought. So yeah. the, the, yes. Uh, the, the thought then is the alternative. If, if such a situation like that exists, the alternative then is complete uh, non-entity yeah. status. Like, so it makes me think of Tommy Lee Jones leaving Will Smith on the park bench in the first act Men of Black. Men in Black. Like, what a brilliantly crafted... It, it's like, instead of uh, uh, sweating away over, you know, like, w- what could have easily been a 200-page screenplay, uh, you know, joylessly adapting this thing, it was like, they took such a simple approach, which was... Will Smith found himself accidentally finding out as a New York cop that, you know, some people have four arms. And uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, I forgot his name. Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee, like, sits him down and says, here's the deal. There's a bigger world out there. And you got a choice and I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk away and and you you could forget about all this. And I don't know if he explicitly says, like, if you do, like, I'll actually literally make you forget. But. It's Doesn't actually, he like give him a day or a time? Yeah, period? it's like, it's like a, it's think like, it over. Yeah. And it, but it's like, and it, it, in that moment, I remember reading that script because I was new, new out here, and then I saw it on the screen, and I had the same response. It was, I was like, God, this is just such a simple, it's a simple, brilliant way of like ushering an audience across a threshold. It's the red it's pill, blue pill thing. Simple, like, yeah. The, I mean, that's this, another great this, example. It's the same, yeah, for it, sure. It, it, it's like it, you don't always need to have a refusal of the call in, in these stories because there actually are just absolutely there's thresholds that you just don't have a choice but to cross. And and it's like, do you really want to go back to 
working in your laundromat now that we have like touched your life and made it more magical. I feel like you really called us out because at the beginning of every episode, there's that you can turn back now part. <laughs> right. So, and you guys, I appreciate you guys fullying a doorbell sound. I kind of was worried to ask you about that. That's mad. I'm yeah, so sorry. Know, ask us about Is that, that so the sorry. dark forces ringing your doorbell? <laughs> you <laughs> can turn back now from your own door? I can't believe that's, I, you know, <laughs> so that's, that's so funny. No, wait, no, is that the big question what's, what's you were talking so about funny. off yes. air? What's no, no, extra no, no, funny no, no, no. about that though is that we stripped that out of the video <laughs> and then the video there's a door like there's yeah. a visual of like it's a shadowy a figure standing it's, it's, it's the very door. Twilight Zone that's what yeah. I, yeah. I, I I was like oh yeah there's like the yeah. door in Twilight Zone you yeah, can turn yeah, yeah, back yeah. out bing bong <laughs> and, and that Matt created that from back when we were a, we started out as a YouTube show and we were we were thinking like we need an intro. It needs to be it needs to be, needs fast. To be sexy. It needs yeah, to needs be, be immersive. Sexy. Right, 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 right. Have you, you actually know? seen it ever? No, I've never seen All it. Right, well, one day we'll watch. I it. do have one more I'd question about the idea. opening. The drum beat <clears throat> is it? It's a little off. Yeah, that's my fault. Uh, again, when I was a, a young man, is that an SK one? And you were like, kind of like doing it by finger. Uh, no, yeah. You did it in Fruity Loops, didn't you? I no, I did it with my hands on a, a keyboard. <laughs> you just like you just you didn't quantize. I redid it. You just it. kept the performance. <laughs> I redid it three times. I didn't quantize it and because I, I didn't like know it. what I was doing. I'm Have sorry, guys. No, dude, no, 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 no. It's discordant. Have you heard the artist Flying Lotus? Like it's like he's like a like an awesome producer. He he does that all. Time like like very like like unquantized skittery beats. I've always well, it's liked kinda it. Like, hip hop does that now too. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they deliberately like, yeah, rob yeah. you of your expectation. Yeah, like of like that, yeah. uh, Jay Dilla or whatever. Like that. Even like yeah, exactly. Like the NPC. <laughs> well, all in the past. <laughs> all of whom cite Matt Frederick as the influence. I'm Dilla so glad I got that question yeah. because I, I, every time I'm like I'm like here it comes. Like at this moment, I'm like. I am mortified right now. No, it's so it's so endearing. We've all thought it. Oh my god, I fucking love it. But it's also unsettling to a degree. Yes, and that's imagine if the dark forces not only rang your doorbell, played your drum machine, but like also just were like never quantized. Yeah, exactly. Well, the dark forces don't they don't quantize. Well, they march to a beat of their own drum machine. Listen, listen. I'm calling a stop to this episode right now. <laughs> wow. Listen. All right, I only wanted to ask you about Promise. Oh. That's a, that was my conspiracy the so, theory. Like the Inslaw software yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, That's it. That was my thing that when I mentioned. That's I was like, thing. I have a pet conspiracy theory or mm. whatever that I wanted to ask you guys about. But we could talk about it. Let's go, let's go somewhere and have a drink. Let's do it. Let's oh. do it. The audience is like, oh, thanks. Uh, well, you <laughs> thanks for talking about dog domestication. Go have fun talking about conspiracy theories in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen. Don't, don't. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, I'm just tickled by this. I'm so, so sorry. I just so, almost kicked the table over you. So guys. that sounds like that sounds like a fantastic idea because we need to. First off, I need to learn a little bit more about promise, and I would prefer you. You guys know me. I'm not super right. great off the cuff. So it's the I prosecutors. Is it an acronym? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. Everything's I love an acronym, I love acronyms. dude. Every, Everything's I, I spilled Diet Coke all over Ben's uh, Oh, wow. So we're burning down the show to save the show. <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for hanging out. Now, as you as you established earlier in our episode today, uh, you have you have departed Twitter 
right? But you are still active despite various concerns about surveillance states uh, on the social medias, uh, with, uh, particularly Instagram. Is that correct? Yeah, that's like my one outlet. You've created, like, your own surveillance state in your yes. house. I have, so, like, a 16-camera cardiovascular workout program. With green screen. <laughs> yeah. And about 40 people at a time watch it. And there's, like, regulars that have formed a community around watching me lift weights and swim. Do you and, see the feedback? Do you respond ever? Or do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's people that are become part of it. It's like a family. And, and, and uh, I, I, like, I made a title sequence for the workout, and I include, like, some of the People that only comment, you know, like mm-hmm. like as if they're cast members. Like, is that the guy at the table on his computer? Is that a separate thing, or is that just something you made once or twice? That was stock footage that I used to like. That's a pre-roll kind of thing. I love. I like, love that. As I'm setting up the feed, then I bring that guy up, <laughs> and that's a loop of him sitting there typing. And then at any point, I can then t- I hit the button that goes into the 60 second. It's about to start. Kind of thing. Awesome. Well, where can people see this for themselves? Instagram. They want, they Dan, want Dan Harmon. I have to say, too, like my daughter isn't quite old enough to watch Rick and Morty, but I am a big fan of your car songs. Where you've, <laughs> yeah. you've got the earbuds in and you've obviously made this track and you're lip syncing in your car. And there's even one where you're like taking a meeting at a studio and you sort of stop the song for a second, talk to the security guard, and then go back to the song. She loves that. And we watch them together and it's a bonding thing for us. My, my fiance's uh, sister's kids, uh, they, they, I, I trust them to curate because I, I don't want to think about kids listening to my songs when I do them, but I really love the fact that um, some of the songs just happened by sheer coincidence to be PG. They're not about anything that oh, yeah. involves like thing. And and the I love when kids love your songs, it's like Yeah. The one about the pooping robot <laughs> in particular <laughs> yeah. kind of a gem. But again, see it for yourself. Those are all like on the feed, but then mm-hmm. the stories is where you can see the or the live streams is where you can see the workout videos. So. And when do when does Rick and Morty officially start November something I don't know if there's a date yet on that trailer but just start staring at your television in November (laughs) and while you are on the internet while you are staring at your screen of choice and thinking about the things do you have a bone to pick with this conversation do you have a personal anecdote that applies do you distrust dogs let us know. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. We're all over the place. Uh, we particularly recommend our favorite uh, part of the internet, our community, our favorite part of Facebook sandbox internet. Uh, here's where it gets crazy. Our community page where you can meet our favorite part of the show, your fellow listeners. And uh, what do, uh, riddle me this, uh, Matt, what do people do if they hate social media? Oh, well, they pick up their, their phone and they dial this weird number that has too many characters, but but it really does work. It's 1-833-S-T-D-W-Y-T-K. Dan, you were going to bring, you were going to do that with us. That, oh. <laughs> I, just, I chickened out. Yeah, you did great. You did great. <laughs> My mind has been blown so many times. I knew so it was STD. I, that's easier. <laughs> W-Y-T-I. Yeah. You know, that's uh, odd that you say that. That gets, uh, that gets bandied around as an acronym when we're, when we're doing setup pre-production yeah. stuff and uh, you know I've had people who are just friends of mine see a text on my phone or some email alert and it's like it's cut off and it just says mm-hmm. STD yeah, yeah, you like, have STD in an right, hour right yep. yeah yeah it's like <laughs> yeah. STD 15 minutes uh, <laughs> well what hey if, guys what if you don't want to do any of that stuff what if the internet terrifies you um, you can do the old way of using the internet that is a little more indirect and you can send us a good old fashioned email 
We are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff they don't want you to know. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiasts searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. 